Here's the worship focusing paragraph I wrote some time ago for the worship planning list in anticipation of working with the scripture text for this Sunday. At the time of Jesus' ascension into heaven, the disciples are left with a huge question, what now? Some are thinking the what now is the restoration of the kingdom of Israel, the throwing off of the Roman Empire. But Jesus tells them on his way out that their task will be to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's time to be his witnesses and to share the good news of Jesus with everyone and everywhere. What does that look like? Indeed, what does witnessing to the good news of God in Jesus Christ look like? What does it look like in the here and now? After all, so much in our world, this world to which we would be witnessing, works against the good, pulls away from good news. Here's our context. We live in a time of division and separation. We live in a time of opinion peddled as fact. We live in a time of win at all costs. We live in a time of increasing tribalism and rejection of the other. We live in a time where aggressive political maneuvering is seen as a model for expected behavior in nearly every setting. So when the disciples are asking what's next and Jesus is saying witnessing is next, then what does that actually look like? What does Jesus witnessing look like? What did it look like then? And what does it look like in the here and now? As I said, the disciples' first thought was that what's next was about taking down the Romans. They were thinking like many people think. Surely the next thing to do is to consolidate and exercise power, especially political power. And even if we don't resort to direct violence to exercise our power, surely there's something we can do to force someone else to see it our way, to force others to submit to our truth. We recognize their way of thinking about power and purpose because we too in our day and age see it all the time. We see the power of politics, the power of propaganda, the power of bullying and berating, the power of lies told so often that some begin to believe those lies as truth. We see it and we worry about it and we wonder how will we counteract the false narratives that are being told for the sake of exercising power How will our witness of faith make a difference? How will we give the truth some teeth? In the scripture, Jesus quickly tells the disciples that the agenda isn't the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. It's not the overthrow of the Roman Empire by direct and perhaps violent action. And in regard to the power that will come to them after he leaves them, That power isn't the power of politics or even the power of propaganda. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. What will move things along won't be leaning more deeply into the ways of the world, but rather engaging something different, something radically different, a different kind of power, a different kind of witnessing. 
It won't be about better politicking or more convincing propaganda or even some special kind of equipping the truth with teeth. No, no. The Holy Spirit will be the source of their power and our power. And make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is powerful, but its power is the power of persistence. It is the power of truthfulness. It is the power of transformative vision and action. The Holy Spirit is powerful in ways the world does not understand and therefore underestimates. At my lake cottage, I have an attached, a detached garage that faces the west. Fallen leaves gather there in front of the garage door as well as in the corner by the front of my house. I clean them up over and over, but every time there are more leaves, a new pile. It doesn't matter the season. Sure, there are more leaves that pile up in the fall, but even in the winter, spring, summer, any stray leaf that hasn't been cared for by my neighbors to the west or any leaf that's hanging on to an oak tree all through the winter waiting for new growth to push it off in the spring seems to end up at my garage door. It is the power of the prevailing wind, right? The wind is more persistent than I can ever be. The wind blows as it will. The wind partners with forces of nature. The wind tells the truth that there will always be more leaves. And I think the Holy Spirit is like that. It blows, it comes upon us, as the scripture says, the power of the wind in nature can, of course, be violent at times, but the example I'm talking about is the example of persistence. The wind keeps blowing. The Holy Spirit keeps moving. Those leaves bear witness to that. And our witness, what is our powerfully persistent, constant witness? What is it that is like the leaves that are dancing up against my garage door? What is our powerfully accumulating witness? What is our gift of creativity and gentle determination and humble honesty and genuine gift-giving that keeps on blowing through the world with persistence, with truth-telling, and might yet change the world and might yet usher in the kingdom of God? Of the three pastors here at the church, Seth is the one who recently went through the On Earth Peace Training Program on Kingian nonviolence. So he's more steeped in it than I am, but I've had a little exposure to it in a brief workshop some time back. And there's an On Earth Peace poster here at the church. It's over on the bulletin board by the coat rack in the vestibule that has those, non, those Kingian nonviolent principles outlined. It's worth a look. There are six principles, and I'm going to read you the list, and I'd like you to listen and think about those six principles as expressions of the kind of nonviolent, world-transforming witness that we claim we'd like to have. Does the shoe fit us? Or maybe a better metaphor, is such a wind blowing through us? Number one, 
Nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. Is that our witness? Number two, the beloved community is the framework for the future. Is that our witness? Number three, attack forces of evil, not persons doing evil. Is that how we witness to the good news of God's redeeming and transforming love? Number four, accept suffering without retaliation for the sake of the cause to achieve the goal. Is that the price we are willing to pay to be Christ's witnesses? Number five, avoid internal violence of the spirit as well as external physical violence. Is that part of our spiritual development as Christ's witnesses? And number six, the universe is on the side of justice. Is that our witness? As you might expect, all those things put together, strung together, lay out a path that says that a witness for Jesus and his gospel begins with a vision for a better world. It involves a settling of our own spirits so we don't do violence to others, but also recognizes that the Holy Spirit can do more than we can do by ourselves and that the Holy Spirit will bring us along. And I think that a witness for Jesus and his gospel also begins and, commit and continues with a commitment to make things better, not making them worse. It begins with a commitment to active nonviolence, intentional reconciliation, and striving to heal the world. Now, how do we do such things? Won't it be exhausting? Won't it test us? Won't there be suffering involved? At times, the answers to those questions are yes, yes, and yes. Such a witness, a lived witness to nonviolence and respect and truth will be exhausting, and it will test us, and therefore there will be suffering involved. But remember, our power to continue on comes from beyond us. We are not the creators of the good news. We are the ones who express it and share it. And we are not alone. We are witnesses together. We are witnesses for Christ together. So, what does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? What are our Christ expressions of persistence and truth-telling? Well, our witness could look like wearing orange on the first weekend in June, wearing orange because orange is the color that has been adopted by gun violence prevention advocates, and it's time for some activism and not just more hand-wringing. It's time not to be held hostage to the idolatry of Second Amendment worship. And when I say that, don't accuse me of politics or partisanship. And the same holds when I say what I'm about to say, that assault weapons, which are weapons of slaughter, weapons of war, in the hands of civilians, are means of committing acts of evil and nothing else. Don't talk about enjoyment 
when it comes to such weapons. They have no purpose but making killing faster and easier. So a ban on such things in our society would qualify as good news, and advocating for that would be a worthy Christian witness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? It could look like petitioning for an end to the death penalty. Certainly because there are too many innocent people who are caught up in an unjust, racially and economically biased system, but also because even for the guilty, we believe that humans are not the worst thing they have ever done and that no human being is beyond the redemptive power of God. Even those who struggle with that thought must agree that executions cannot be performed without suffering that is, in at least the legal definition, cruel and unusual punishment. What does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? It could look like advocating more intentionally and actively for early childhood education and development, because as experts have noted, Investing in the early years is one of the smartest things a society can do as early childhood experiences have a profound impact on brain development, affecting learning, health, behavior, and ultimately lifetime opportunities. Early childhood education is also one of the smartest things we can do to eliminate poverty. And what was it that Jesus said? Let the little children come to me. And do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. What does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? It could look like being kinder to the creation, because being kind to the creation is also being kind to the creator, and of course it is being kind to our fellow creatures in all their shapes and forms. Installing solar panels, creating a carbon sink through the Prairie Project, starting special recycling projects. We've done these things right here as expressions of our commitment to the care of creation. And in doing those kinds of things, we have invested in the future of our children and in the future of our planet. But what will be next? What is our next witness in the way of Jesus for the sake of the creation? What does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? Maybe it looks like continually and creatively explaining and teaching a Christ-centered theology that is not letting Christian faith be so dominated by theology that is rooted in and seeks to justify consumerism and violence and racism and misogyny and Christian nationalism. Remember, Jesus did not stand with the political or the religious establishment for the sake of consolidating his worldly power, for the sake of continuing various forms of oppression, for the sake of piling judgment on the heads of those who were already disadvantaged and dehumanized at every turn. The good news of Jesus is the good news of the sheep in the parable of the sheep and the goats. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the prisoner, you did it to me. It's double good news. Good news for we who wish to live in God's way and God's will 
and good news for those who suffer at the margins of society. We witness then as the hands and feet of Christ, right? What does witnessing to the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? It could look like a commitment to reprioritizing respect and therefore also rewards for those who are in the caring professions and in the teaching professions. Without teachers and nurses and caregivers for infants and caregivers for elderly adults, where would we be? And yet we continue to expect more for less from people who give not only the work of their hands, but the work of their hearts. Sometimes good news means making sure someone has good pay. Who will be a witness for that? What does witnessing for the good news of Jesus and his way look like here and now? You give your own example. If the Holy Spirit were to blow through this world with hope and healing, what would it look like? What would you look like in your convictions, in your actions, in terms of a witness for what matters, what's true, what will make the world better? You give your own example. You live your own example because Jesus is calling you to be a witness. And you already know what it means to be true to Jesus and his way. Amen.